people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast as usual thank you very much for tuning in and and yeah man it's been an eventful week in the premier league you've seen liverpool defeat manchester united arsenal just cannot stop drawing games spurs obviously drop points against watford Deeney missing a penalty in that game Bournemouth's woes just keep continuing and there's been some other talking points both in the Premier League and in general so let's get through what we're supposed to get through today people now I'd like to actually start with some certain things and I'd like to apologize to you guys I should have kind of spoke about these things before in a previous video um, or podcast because I actually had them for last week but I didn't get round to it and the first thing I'd like to draw you lots attention to actually is should players like young professional footballers in particular, like, like let's just say the young ones coming from the academies, like let's say, for instance, Tammy Abraham, Mount, all of them Chelsea crop of players as they was coming through Chelsea's academy and invent any other examples you wish. Should players, I don't know if coaching badges should be mandatory because you have to respect that some players won't become good coaches. You actually be surprised people how many footballers don't like football to that level really and truly. Um, but should it be a basic, not, so, so not a compulsory thing, but should there be more of an effort? And there has been for young players generally, even if they don't necessarily have an interest in coaching, to get their level ones, twos, potentially threes. Now, obviously, a lot of it is time consuming. And when you're a young professional footballer in an academy, you need to, you, it's, a, it's a serious struggle for time. So it's easier said than done. But surely it would help first and foremost, because imagine if young players do their coaching badges, they'll have a greater understanding tactically, potentially why they're asked to do things by their managers, why managers at other teams do certain things. And this will broaden their footballing IQ. And obviously, just from seeing the other side of the game, it will grow their mind and whatnot. And they'll have a gr greater appreciation of not just the role they're trying to become a professional footballer in, but other areas across the pitch. Obviously, it would help us because if it became mandatory as these young pros from 17 to 35 go through academies and whatnot and they retire, the more people that have the coaching badges, in theory, there should be a bigger coaching pool to pick from for clubs and also to help us at, at grassroots game naturally and also with England's youth and whatnot. I'm sure England would like to have a crop go on to win the World Cup like you saw with Germany, with what with Mesut Ozil. I'm not too sure if they're all specifics, but I'm pretty sure you saw Kadira, Kroos, Muller, Ozil, these sort of players do quite well at youth level up until 21s with Germany and more or less that crop went on to win obviously with different editions but more or less that same crop went on to win the world cup and whatnot people um it's a bit it's a it's, it's a it's a bit irrelevant of, of such but surely these sort of things will broaden our horizons tactically um and we'll just simply increase the pool and obviously that what I what I mean by that is the more coaches the more people you 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 coach and whatnot that could provoke that one inspirational coach that gets the thing going where we have our own youth Germany sort of thing and we go on to win the World Cup. Obviously, they'll just be... Because I do think English coaches are respected, more so the legends of the game, Bobby Robson, and you can say the rest of the British and whatnot, English managers, if you wish. But I don't think... I, I want... It's funny because in the Prem... The English managers that are about, they can be described as dinosaurs at times. But generally, I think... There's no reason why this game cannot have, like, we shouldn't have good homegrown managers that are coming through. Obviously, there's Eddie Howe and there's other people, but do you get it? Because Belgium are doing this, people. Belgium have a similar scheme where I believe 
Eden Hazard didn't, but I believe company did it. Um, Kevin De Bruyne did it. A couple of their players. This is at first team level. While they're going off with Germany, they're doing their pro. Belgium, sorry, they're doing their pro license. People. So that, like I said, that for Belgium, that's one man that that could have never thought about coaching, but his spark has been um been been set, and that's another coach to their game, and it helps us both ways because it also sets up some of these young players for careers. Not everyone's gonna go off and be Lampard and Pep and whatnot. But you can be head of coaching. You could set up your own coaching um, business and whatnot. A lot of people, even if, especially for a young player, because you don't necessarily know what you want and want not to do. Like I said, not everyone has a interest in coaching, but I do believe there's many benefits to just introducing something like that. And I do know some clubs are doing that sort of thing, people, um, and whatnot. So it's nothing radical under the sun and whatnot. But um, yeah. Moving forward from that, people, as I go through this and try and see the old topics I have. Um, I believe last week Derby were charged by the football English Football League for breaching spending rules and now face a possible points deduction. This relates to losses in, in the last three years up until June 2018, people, despite 80 million, despite the 80 million sale of their stadium to, um, to Mel Morris. Um, spending rules in the championship don't allow clubs to lose more than 39 million over a three-year period. So I wonder how that one's gone on, people. Um, kind of sad news. Um, Crystal Palace w- women's keeper Lucy Gillette says she was subject to sexual abuse during last Sunday's championship game um, at Coventry United. Now, obviously, sad thing about football the good thing about football it can be used to to unite people it can be used to get people out of depression you know football is a great game the problem is by the same flip of that coin it can be used for a lot of foolishness we know in society there's a lot of people with outdated views and you do actually see some politicians freely able to say it so i don't know how much this makes sense but we know in today's society if you do these certain things in in the working life or in the general world, you won't get far or something. You see what I'm saying? Or something troublesome will find your way. Being in a stadium, being surrounded by a small group of ignorant idiots, such as these people are, allows them to kind of gang up and and feel good about themselves because we know racism or or, or sexist abuse or anyone that has these, quite frankly, what I call them, just views of a pig, um, doesn't deserve to be doesn't deserve really to enjoy football doesn't really stand for anything football um, stands for people can sit there and obviously they might even say oh we was trying to distract her and things there's many ways you could have done that you could have mocked her hair mocked her goalkeeping instead you chose to use just behave disgusting um 25 year old allegedly said that's um a man or a group of men um called on the referee to check the gender of several Palace players. So, which is, you know, obviously I don't need to spell it out for you. In the women's game, people are just saying silliness and they something should have been, something needs to be done and something should have been done. It's unacceptable, really and truly. So, Lucy, I hope you and your Crystal Palace teammates in general are not really affected beyond, as beyond um, more than you can be by this ignorant idiot or idiot's views. So... Yeah, keep your heads high. Moving forward from that, people, apparently Sheffield Wednesday have launched a season ticket plan that guarantees fans a seat for 10 years after their next promotion to the Premier League, whenever that is. Um, 
On the flip side of that, though, the devil's in the details and it says the 10 year season ticket described by the championship club as completely innovative will cost up to six grand people. In fact, six grand, 400 minimum. So, boy, it's looking like a madness, people. Apparently, though, it's not really it's, 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 a, it's a bit confusing because it's actually valued for 15 years. So it's a 10 year season ticket, but the ticket is valued for 15, a minimum of 15 years. So. Yeah, man, Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday fans, sorry, must be itching to get promoted and seeing things like that. Um, sadly, obviously, the longer it, um, the longer the longer obviously takes Sheffield Wednesday to return to the top flight, um, where obviously they last were seen in two thousand. The longer the multi-year ticket will be valid. It's quite crazy. Apparently, a number of limited tickets will be made available to adults only. The cheapest is four and a half grand essentially um, for the Hillside Cop, which is behind the goal, if you don't know. And the most expensive is six grand four hundred people, which is the South Stand, the two tier South Stand. Fans will be able to purchase that if they wish from the start of next season, people, which, yeah, man, they can go and do their thing. Um, yeah, moving forward from that, we've seen, we might as well just speak about some trans, well, not transfers, but I've seen. Seen Ashley Young's gone to gone gone to Inter Milan people, and I mean for United, it's probably more. It's not really. It's you could say it's a loss on the football field because I don't necessarily feel his performances are the best. But many United fans will say he's a decent squad player and whatnot, despite his age. You're seeing with a lot of reports, and like you would expect of Ashley Young, who's won titles at United, changed his formation. I mean his positions from a from a winger to a fullback and played under Ferguson, he's a big loss off the field. He's described as one of the loudest in the dressing room, one of the most professional, one of the, you know, voices to stand up to be counted. And pardon me, United need a lot lot of things to change. And you heard they offered him a new deal when he was going to Inter Milan. Um, but it is what it is in that regard. It speaks volumes that Ashley Young doesn't want to stay at, 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 at Manchester United anymore. Um, but can you really begrudge him? He's won kind of what, apart from the Champions League and... Maybe some domestics. He's won the league there. He's played for a big club in Manchester United, regardless of their fortunes, for a number of years. People added to that Inter Milan, Italy. What he's like thirty-five. That's what seventeen in Italy in defenders' terms. You never know what can happen to you. And obviously, he. I know he's his best days are gone. Those sorts of people. But by the same logic, I'm sure he strikes me as someone very professional. He looks after himself. The chance to potentially learn new things. And potentially, you know, reinvent himself in a defensive sense and just potentially expand as a player until he wants to call it a day, people, um, and whatnot. Um, apparently, um, I'm sure you've all seen which could be problems for Liverpool with Mane and Salah, Arsenal with Pepe and Aubameyang specifically. And depending on if you've got any African-based players within your side, the, you know, the African Cup of Nations next season will be moved back to where it was um, at the start of January. Um the good thing is it will not clash, I guess it will not clash with the expanded Club World Cup being held in China in, in 2021 in June. Um, this is obviously to do with the, the rainy season in Cameroon where it is to where the AFCON is to be held in June and July because that is, I believe that's the country's most rainy season. So it doesn't, it doesn't work a genius to work out if it rains, the pictures are going to be waterlogged, they're not going to be at their best. It doesn't make sense to do it. And it is, well, it is in that regards... Um, and I'm sure it it'll put it look it puts a lot of players in difficult decisions because let's just say the Afcon happened this season. I know Liverpool looked like they're winning the league, but let's just say it happened in J January this season, people, 
and Mane Senegal was there, he'd have an extremely difficult decision to make club over country. It's a difficult one. For me, it's a difficult one and you can't begrudge him for anything. No disrespect to Liverpool, but way before he became Sadio Mane of Liverpool, he was a young man um, walking the streets of Senegal. He's a proud Senegalese man and I'm sure his family won't let him forget that if he ever did, if the riches and that lost him. Mane is an extremely humble person. He even helps clean the local mosque he goes to in Liverpool um, to do to do his prayers and things. Um, very humble person despite the riches and does a lot for charity, but it's national pride. I'm sure, look how Liverpool are doing their thing. They, I mean, what people expect and what typically happens are two different things, but you'd imagine they'd be getting to the latter stages, if not the final of this Champions League. The Prem looks wrapped up. While it's mathematically possible to, for them to bottle it, it, it isn't going to happen. And not only winning the league, they can go invincible together with the Club World Cup and whatnot. And if they can do a domestic and European um, sort of double, it'd be fantastic. But would, if it happened in January, people might have a decision to make. The club have made hard work and they're going after the league. Senegal, Senegal come. Do you see what I'm saying? What do you do? For Liverpool, it's a bit of pill to swallow. I'm sure they'd understand this. You know, we'd have to, if even me, you have to pick your country, people. Like, it's your country. Regardless of who you are, what nation you're from, it's, it's your country. Clubs are, you can't change your nationality or where you was born. You can change your club. I'm not saying he's not a proud player to represent Liverpool. And I'm not saying it's an easy decision to make because reality is it is clearly not people it's a very tough decision to make um and if he stayed with liverpool how would he be viewed as as in, in senegal would it be their talisman their star player turning his back on the nation do you see what i'm saying again i'm uh, it's a tough one for everybody obamian and gabon you've you, with, with not the, with the country but specifically it appears the officials obamian and his nation have had a bit of a love-hate relationship of sorts um, did he not technically retire from international football at a point Pepe the same logic if Ivory Coast come calling you've got a goal Zaha for instance if he's at Crystal Palace or not you've got a goal um, it will be of, of, of Everton he'd have to go um, so it's a tough one to make people um, for what it's worth the 2021 African Cup of Nations will be held in Cameroon on the 9th of January through to the 6th of January. I mean, 6th of February, sorry, people, how did that work? Um, of the same year, obviously. Um, so, yeah, make of that what you will. What else have we got from last week? I think we're moving through it splendidly, people. Not really anything of any relevance, people. So we can flip this on a more positive note. And get to some things that matter. Um, like an idiot, I didn't print off what I wanted to speak about, people, admittedly. But let's move on to the stuff that really matters. And in terms of the Premier League, you obviously saw Watford draw against Spurs. For Watford, you could actually say it's three points missed because if Deeney scores that penalty, that's a big three points. Spurs are dropping points and whatnot. And I'm sure Jose Mourinho. Spurs fans, um, any the Spurs players, they won't be happy. Spurs are probably a lot of Spurs fans I speak to now are saying this. You know, they are conceding that 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 the top four is gone. I know mathematically they can still do it. And equally, there's a lot of fans that would still go be up for it and whatnot, people. Um, but it seems like they're conceding it's gone, and it's just a woeful season for everyone, really, unless you're a Liverpool fan. Um, so yeah, for, for for Spurs it doesn't get much better. You've got still got uncertainty over players. Um, Tanganga didn't have the best of games in an unfamiliar position at left back, I believe, against Watford as well. 
not sure how Kapue never got sent off as well, people. I can't remember who he tackled. In fact, I think it was Tenganga. Dangerous challenge there. But for Watford, that's a good point. And they're still fighting relegation and whatnot. Um, so we'll see. Now, City versus Palace was a crazy game, people. Czech Tosin seems to be loving life on loan to Crystal Palace already, even though it's just a goal or so. He struck. Zaha at the death kind of made Fernandinho score a known goal for Palace to get a point after what looked like a quick-fire double from Sergio Aguero. City knew the league was kind of gone, but I'm sure Pep wouldn't want to lose these games or lose points in games. I'm sure he'd want to as much as mathematics permits, attempt to push Liverpool the best way they can. Just damn right, Man City are the current champions. They've had a high level of expectations. They should be winning these games and putting, you know, pretty little sequences of, of runs of games together. So it is very much a point game for Palace. No disrespect to them. And they could have, they had opportunities in that game as well. Um, And two points dropped for Manchester City. And they've really just got to qualify on, focus on qualifying for the Champions League this season, finishing second, um, and beating Leicester to that position and seeing what the Champions League can do for them people. Um, because unless a miracle happens, Liverpool will not be dropping... <coughs> apologies, people. Liverpool will not be dropping significant points to turn this. <coughs> I really should have got some water, but I love you guys. Moving forward, <coughs> Bournemouth. I mean, Bournemouth is looking quite mad at Bournemouth now. It's, it's a bit mad at Bournemouth. They lost again. Norwich got a, a bad, a, um, very badly much needed three points with their one nil victory over over Bournemouth. Bendina can never say his name. Bendia had a good game in that game, and for 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 Bournemouth and Eddie Howe and everyone connected with the club, I'm not sure where the inquest starts because player recruitment's been dodgy. Clearly, whatever everybody's working with on the training ground isn't working, and they need to invent a new. And it's a difficult one. They won't want to get rid of Eddie Howe. Or Eddie Howe might. Not want to concede that it might be best to divorce from Bournemouth, but you have to wonder like what something has to give. Really, is he not because of a lack of credentials, but is do they need a new voice in that change rooms and whatnot? Because they're in real danger of relegation. And no disrespect to Bournemouth, I don't necessarily feel they're one of them sides that will bounce back instantly if they went down, sort of thing, people. And after establishing themselves as a as a solid Premier League side. Um, after you know a fairy tale rise up the divisions with Eddie Howe at points, um, would be a bit of pill to swallow. Norwich le- e- equally are fighting relegation, and that's almost a six pointer off them, basically, really and truly. Considering Watford, who are also fighting relegations, technically, as much as it's a good point against Spurs, regardless of their form, in fact, you could say it's not by that logic, they dropped points. Aston Villa, who are fighting relegation, drew 1 1 against Brighton. Um, is it? Is it? I'm sure Neil Mupe scored again. I could be wrong. And Grealish, what a strike that was from the lad. Um, he surely goes to um, goes to the Euros. And I mean, for me, what's tipped the balance? It's a tough one. If it's if it's out of the three of Madison, Mount, and obviously Grealish, I'd probably lean towards Madison and Grealish, um, purely because I do believe their scope. I don't think Southgate would do it, but if he could, if there could be a pivot of, I don't know, Henderson and Grealish in a three with potentially Madison or, or if Loftus-Cheek was fit or someone with a bit more attacking sense, there's something there. It makes almost no sense because I would bring Foden as well. And I would. there's like every case for Mount to go, people. Um, but who knows? Danny Ings and Calvert-Lewin are doing all they can in terms of scoring and they both struck at the weekend as well to give Southgate something to think about um, people. Um, so yeah, 
Chelsea, who are going to be playing Arsenal tomorrow, sadly for us people, which will be Tuesday by the time you're hearing this. They lost at the death to Newcastle, former Guna Isaac Hayden. Hopefully we can learn from him and take advantage of Chelsea from set pieces. Hopefully we take advantage of Chelsea from set pieces, people, because for all Arsenal were decent in our defeat against them, that's where our goal from, came from. Chelsea seem to have an issue there. Chelsea have no problem creating chances, but sim well, we do, but they seem to have issues finishing chances as well. So I hope the boys are really listening to the analysis department from Arsenal. But big three points for Newcastle and Steve Bruce especially because in big games this season, I mean, they if they haven't necessarily won, they've put in good performances really and truly. So that's been decent for Newcastle fans in a sense. Wolves defeated Southampton three goals to two in which was a decent, fairly good contest between the two sides, people. Um, shout out to Ings for getting me them fantasy points. Watford pulled the shocker of the weekend, in my opinion, defeating Leicester at their place, two goals to one. Big three points for Sean Dyche's men at Turf Moor, really and truly with you folks. Last but definitely not least, well, not even least, um, not even last, we'll save that. West Ham and Everton drew the David David Moyes derby, ended a goal apiece. Like I said to you lot, folks, Calvert-Lewin, regardless of what you think of him or previously thought of him, is doing as much as he can for Southgate to think about him as well in relation to the Euros. Um, and I do believe Kane will be fit, but you look at Kane and Rashford's injuries, there could be some players dropping out. Do you see what I'm saying? I do think they'll all be fit, but to play devil's advocate, you never know. Last but not least, and sad for Arsenal fans, we just can't stop drawing games take the lead can't for all the lack of I, I think there's two problems we're immediately seeing under Arteta through no fault of his own the players are adapting to the tenacious approach even though none of that was shown in this game this was a very poor first half we weren't necessarily troubled by Sheffield but we weren't troubling we were going through the motions we were very lethargic but typically we were blowing off the 60 minutes because of the tenacious play that Arteta has been introducing and it's going to take time to get to get to the level we need to be in terms of game management, there's no excuse. Arteta, rightly so, has told these players this. He can give them all the tools. He can give them all the water in the world. But the players have to drink. And how we manage out games, even games we've won, like against United in the second half, it hasn't been the best. So we need to, these players, your young ones, obviously we cut them some slack. But whether it's the young players who have played enough times to, you know, kind of self-assess what's going right and wrong and adjust accordingly, regardless of what we might have on these players, there's a number of, internationally recognised experienced players within our side and just through age experienced players to not keep getting caught out by this naiveness and lack of street smartness quite frankly I believe Lacazette has offered some comments in relation to that as well um, and to be fair from Sheffield in the second half they sensed they could get something out of the game Chris Wilder was bringing on strikers in that people I was at the Emirates it was a bit of a bookie game I feel um, Pepe had a decent game um, I feel Torreira was good um, I feel Martinelli obviously he's got nine goals in like 10 starts or something now in all comps or he's got something good for us man he knows how to score goals near enough perfect performance and that also goes for Bakayo Saka at left back and they're the two young G's that look the most on this I still recognize they're young but for me I look at them they're just on this thing they're just members of this first team side now side now because clearly they can repay faith for whatever reason, whether it's wanting to impress, being young and hungry and wanting to establish yourself in football, I have complete faith in them. I recognise they're young and there will obviously be moments they don't have the best of games. Saka's had some like that. 
But nine times out of ten, he is consistent. And these young guys, when I'm looking around at the squad and looking for anything close to consistency, Martinelli and Saka are at the top. And with consistency, gives me confidence. I've got a lot of more confidence in them than certain individuals. And it's sad to say. And if I was a professional footballer at Arsenal listening to these comments, it would make me mad, quite frankly, people. And it should give them something to think about. Um... So, yeah, it's been an eventful week, man. In terms of Eddie Howe people as well, I might as well mention some of his comments. With Bournemouth obviously being 19th in the Premier League, he has said his side need to turn all energies against the outside, against the world outside as they battle against relegation. He clearly wants, he clearly has nothing else to try other than, okay, boys, our backs are against the wall. The critics are saying stuff. Do you turn around and curl into a ball or do you come out fighting? It's us against the world. They're saying I'm overrated. They're saying I'm not a good manager. They're saying a lot of you players are, prim are, are championship league two quality, let alone Premier, Le Premier League. This is aimed at obviously hurting their pride and, and you know, galvanising the troops ready for war. Because at the end of the day, Watford are fighting, Bournemouth, sorry, are fighting a madness. They get relegated. Will they necessarily come up? Several of their team will leave. You'd imagine Ake in particular will not be playing in the championship. Callum Wilson, if he wants to keep England dreams alive, even though he hasn't been playing the best recently, he'd have to leave. I probably believe Josh King would get a move. I think the same could be said. I know he's had injuries, but Davy Brooks and players like that will get moves. There's no Ramsdale might even get a move to young keeper as well, um, even though it might be in his best interest to stay. Um, they'd have to. The only players I think no one would look at is Steve Cook, Francis Ibe, um, Solanke. In fact, Solanke would probably get a move, but these 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 are poor players, really and truly. No disrespect to them beyond what they offer on a football field, and their recruitment's been poor. But moving on, he's also said we have to become very internal. And it's important to remember people, he's lost 10 out, they've lost 10 of their last 12 league games. We have to use all the negative negativity around us in a positive way to show we're still fighting and we can do it. Um, they're obviously three points from safety people, but like I said, they've lost 10 of their last 12 games. Um, they're three points from safety um, and they've only sadly only taken four points from an available 36 going into Tuesday's clash against Brighton. So that tells you everything, people. They need to fight. That could that. Listen, it's good. Like I said, it's a difficult one if they sack Eddie Howe or not. But I'm pretty sure something would have to give people. That's a game where that the futures can be decided. Um, and it's a dogfight. And this is what you see what players are really on. Because certain players are not going to be down for this relegation fight. They already probably got one eye one eye and one um, foot out the door. They're on the phone to their agents. They're probably not applying themselves as much. There's players that are going to be fighting to the death. Because they know if it's not Bournemouth, they're going to, quite frankly, not be playing in the Premier League. Um, and there's also, we, got, we always think about relegation from a football sense. It's not an exaggeration, but there are people, honest people, football fans that happen to work at clubs, tea ladies, stewards and things that are, vict that are victims and literally lose their jobs because of going out of the league. At the end of the day, money's all that matters in, in football, really and truly. Obviously, not from a football purist, but you, you come out of the Premier League, it's like a business losing business. You have to down costs. You have to look where you can cost cut. And sadly, honest working men and women... Um, young and old are typically the victims of that and it's more exaggerated the lower you go down the football pyramid but nonetheless it's still something people um, he's also said fighting back collectively with everyone connected with a club that wants us to do well that's really what we have to focus on now and turn all energies against the world 
I think the will to do well and the desire to achieve is 100% there. It's not always evident on the pitch because human, human psychology is sometimes difficult to predict. Confidence affects you in different ways. But I can assure you, everybody, the players, care deeply. They're really hurting at the moment and they want to come out of this spell as quickly as possible. And they're the only ones that can do it, people. Like he said, if his pride is really hurt, then it's something to be said. Um, moving away from the Premier League for a sec before we get on to the preview of today, well, this coming fixtures. That Highland guy up front for Dortmund, formerly of Salzburg, just he's a madman. He's a madman. He's listen, him and Mbappe, I know Jao Felix is going through some tough moments. They're looking like the golden boys going into the next generation. More time is someone that's probably not even asserted himself in the footballing world that is that. But he's a demon people, man. Like he's got the good physique, he's got pace, but it's not like he don't they're just part they're just tools in his arsenal. He don't rely on that. He's very cerebral in his movement, cold blooded in front of goal. It's like he's a robot, like he was designed in a lab to score goals. Like the man came off the bench. Um, a bit of that's probably fitness. I do believe he's been going through, you know, they've had the winter break in Salzburg and he wasn't 100% match fit, not injured, match fit for his move to Dortmund, I believe, from what I'm reading. But he came off the bench in a crazy 5-3 victory at the weekend for them people. Sandro also scored um, and he's elite. And listen, he hasn't created the history I'm sure he would like to with Dortmund, but you look at the players they've developed up front, Aubameyang and, and a certain Lewandowski, how long is he going to be there for if he keeps this up? Because surely the big boys that were already probably looking at him, go, go for him. For him, I think he's done it well. He's played his games. He's played significant football in his homeland in Norway. He's obviously gone to Salzburg, Champions League football, proper man's football, developed. He's gone to Dortmund where he's going to be playing in a higher division in the Bundesliga, a club that develops players, a club that has a good track record with strikers. I've just name-dropped Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Lewandowski. And I think he's going to leave them there a better player than both of them. No disrespect to either because I just think he can be incredible. They have to enjoy him for the next... Because you imagine how long is he going to be? How long is a piece of string? He could be there forever if he wants. But you'd imagine within the next three to four years, maybe two to four years, the big boys have one eye on him and they're circling already. For him, he's made the right step. He's gone to Dortmund where he can establish himself and develop as a player. And when that move comes, because you also can't rule out the Premier League either because he's made no secret of his admiration for the league he'll be more equipped um you look at real madrid today i believe they've announced the signing of i cannot not say his name but renier the, the flamengo guy he's a terrific young prospect labeled the next caca allegedly but you see him rodrago the seniors junior lunin the goalkeeper byron diaz and they're all having mixed success some of them are getting games some of them are not why because they're good talented young players but that doesn't mean anything at real madrid so you might as well go there when you're a complete player or near that, so you have half a chance. Because typically established players that have played numerous games, scored whole heap of goals, haven't had the haven't had success. So I think he's gonna do it the right way, people, really and truly with you. Um you're seeing a lot of players go to Swansea on loan, people, under Steve Cooper, former England youth coach. They've got Mark Gurney specifically, they've got um Connor Gallagher of Chelsea who signed a new deal there and was doing good things at at Charlton Athletic earlier in this campaign. They've obviously got, ironically, a former Chelsea lad now of Liverpool, Rian Brewster, on loan there. And there's a couple other young players. Well, well former Liverpool player, Young Darners there. There's a couple other young players. They've got that key, that, that centre-half. I keep forgetting his name, but he's 19 years of age. Not really the best ball player, but I think he's decent. They did all right in the derby. It's Ben something. 
black guy as well, 19, decent. So they're giving youth the chance. And if they're going to get promoted, they're giving youth the opportunity. And it would make sense for Swansea to have a good relationship with Chelsea. Previously, they've had Tammy Abraham on loan there. Um, sources have told The Athletic, the publication The Athletic, that Chelsea's academy staff are hoping to build a long-lasting relationship that could see Swansea become the preferred loan destination for some of their brightest prospects in years to come. It's likely that others will follow Mark, Gall um, Mark Gallagher, Liam Gallagher and Mark Gurney um, in being farmed out on loan to, um, from Cobham to the Liberty Stadium. You look at Tariq Lampety, um, he looks good, but how many games can he get with Aspilicueta looks on the way out, but you've got him and Rhys James. Um, could it be worth, you know, someone like him going to Swansea? And even if Swansea got promoted to the Premier League, they wouldn't be able to get as many loans from Chelsea as they can in the Championship, but you get. And it's actually, when you think about it, it can be... Isolation can be good and bad. I think Swansea can... You've seen some examples of players going on loan to places where it's polar opposites to where they've grown up. It's become a prison. It's become a lonely place in a hotel. But I think somewhere like Swansea, obviously there's raves and clubs, but everyone that's gone on loan there or played there... They've said there's not too much to do outside of football. So that's obviously for these young people, there's less vices. Again, boredom, especially when you've got a lot of money. And for example, you might gamble. I'm not saying these players at Chelsea do. I'm just saying boredom is a... Listen, sitting on your hands, idle hands is a devil's playground or something like that. It really, that's, that's why a lot of bad things happen because people are bored. Um, that's why we do a lot of things because we're bored. Um, so it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. But I think it could be a great thing because if Steve Cooper's there giving young players chances. There's obviously, they can just focus on football. It's not like London or one of these party towns where you see where certain things are going on and carrying on a certain way. So it could be good for them people, these young lads. Um, Tammy Abraham, apparently people, the athletic also said, Tammy Abraham's Chelsea contract talks are complicated by the desire to have his new deal match Callum Hodgson-Odoi's 120 grand a week basic wage now we know currently Tammy Abraham is on 50k a week and that would almost over double his wages I mean hey, damn you can't donate 5% to the Ludus thing no I mean 50,000 a week people like 200,000 a month without obviously excluding tax and he's got endorsement rights and other P's he's getting in so it's ridiculous man it's ridiculous but I like Tammy he's proved a lot of people wrong myself included in relation to his ability to score goals for Chelsea there's still question marks. Like, he's improving in big games for Chelsea. He scored against us and... Was it against Spurs? I don't think he scored, but he did all right. But he's previously after that, he failed to really score goals. And I think he's proven he can do something. And Chelsea can be proud. They've got a homegrown, developed lad that's... I'd rate him at 50 million, whether you believe he's worth that or not. Because he's young, he's English. That's the way it is now. He's England regular. Um, fair, well, call-ups and that. After Harry Kane and probably someone else... You're probably looking at Tammy Abraham in the England contention. And obviously another striker, which I'm sure Chelsea fan would relish, a world-class striker together with Tammy Abraham fighting for the spot or working together or just the sheer amount of goals there would be good. Tammy's had a lot to deal with. There's been a lot of praise, a lot of scrutiny for the young lad. He's played a lot of professional games, so he's got a lot of experience, but he's still developing. And with Chelsea's previous transfer ban, which is I think now they can sign players, he's had a lot on his shoulders and he's done well. And I think, whether you believe he's worth it or not, I think he's fully entitled to go for that, people. Because Callum hudson I get why he got that. In, in It looks really now, at the moment, that Chelsea buckled. But if he gets playing football and he develops and he, and, and, and he plays well for two years, 
um, they're in a good position because we might look in two years or so and say, yo, boy, Callum's been on form for Chelsea. He's only won 20 a week. Do you get it, people? 180 a week, whatever he's whatever he's on. Well, I believe Callum hudson Adoy's wage is 120 a week basic. So with totals, it probably goes up. Um, so I understand why Chelsea did that. He's got a lot of potential. But in terms of the short term and right now, I believe the player of tomorrow, Callum hudson Adoy will be a better player than Tammy. No disrespect, because Tammy's a good player. But on the 20th of January, um, people... You'd probably say in terms of who is more developed, who is more competent in relation to their roles. It's Tammy Abraham. He's proven he can score goals away from Chelsea in the Championship. So, like I said, he could go for fifty million minimum. People, he's already got. He's he's got more of an established. Obviously, Callum's been called up to the England squad before. But if the England squad was going to be picked tomorrow, I'd still back Callum Hudson Odoi to go. But if you had to bet real life money, there's every chance Tammy's going, and there's every chance Callum, Callum could be left at home. And obviously, he's proven that he can do his thing on the pitch. Um, he, there's many reasons. I think Tammy Abraham is fully justified to go for this. Obviously, from a Chelsea perspective, it kind of complicates wage demands and things. Because, I mean, what do you expect? Like, he's a young player in a similar position to Callum. He's looking at that contract. You see, you've got to be sitting there, like, not on a jealous thing. But, yo, listen, I'm and then forgetting what I did at Chelsea this year. Like, I'm on 50 bags a week, but I need to upgrade and that. Like, I'm, he's fully within that. He's fully within his rights. They'll obviously come to an agreement and there'll be some middle ground. But if they didn't, like I said, people, 50 million minimum for Tammy Abraham. And it's a fantastic achievement for the coaching staff and everybody connected to Chelsea that if they ever decide, I think it's remarkable, they're part of their team. But how much money would it bring in? Even Lampertie's played a game for them. How much if they sold him, if they sold Mount, if they sold James, if they sold Tammy, if they sold Gallagher now, uh... Do you see what I'm saying? They're bringing in over 100 million people. They're, in fact, well over that because Tammy's going for that. Tomori probably go for about 40 now, 20 to 40. Mount, probably about 40, 30, 40. Do you get it, people? James, probably about right now today, probably about a 20 in all comps, all ads and that. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's... I think it's remarkable. First and foremost, the academy has to progress first-team players, but I think that's quality from them people, really and truly. So, Tammy, keep it up, man. On a rather sad note, though, Rashford, we found out via Henry Winter and a number of articles that Rashford's been carrying a single stress fracture in his back and now, sadly, has a double stress fracture after the Wolves game, and um, people. So, that's why he played no part... Um, he you know, nah, yeah, he did. Rashford never did. Yeah, Rashford never played against Liverpool, and we should have really spoke more about the Liverpool. Oh, did I even speak about Liverpool United people? Liverpool United was mad as well. I think probably one of United's better performances. Not, I do think it was a foul on the hair, but I'm not too sure watching it again. And it, how much are, I'm not listen. I think it was a foul on the hair, but it made me think. Someone said to me, "How much are keepers protected?" Because it does feel like the minute you go to keepers, it's a foul. Um, Mo Salah's goal was the icing on top of the cake. Van Dijk, Riz. And I just... Listen, Virgil van Dijk, I believe he's the most underrated player in that team, you know, because he was bopping it yesterday as well. So, I almost forgot that. But in that theme with that game, I think Rashford's been done dirty. And I know a lot of people are very quick to talk about players not putting themselves in through the pain barrier and all these things for clubs, not wanting to play when they're 100%, having certain advisors around them. And then this, I think this proves the flip side because... I feel sad for Rashford, not because he's done anything. I feel Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the medical team or whoever is involved in, whoever's foot this needs to be laid at, 
have done Marcus Rashford very dirty and have really capitalised on his naivety from being a young man, being a Manchester-born bred lad, playing regular for Man United, his desire to want to play football. They've not saved him from himself. You've heard he's been carrying this for over for over a year now. So at what point were they going to bite the bullet and, and you know, you know, let him have his surgery or let him stay out and things like this is a man's health. This is Rashford. You're talking about signing a new deal for him because he's going to be at United for years to come. He's now expected to be out for two to three months. So he can still play a part in the season. But considering his form away from United as an England fan, looking at he's been doing off that left hand side is sad. Not only that, you've also found that he has a piece of floating bone in his ankle requiring non-intrusive surgery to remove. So... He's been playing through immense pain to help. So how much painkillers and how much... How much has he not been playing at 100%, just playing at a standard to, to help him? Obviously, it, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to stay in a job, so he's helped him. But how much damage... I'm not physio, but is that going to do long term? And you have to imagine, it's no coincidence that Pogba has his own physio when you hear stories like this, people. With his injury and McTominay's too. Um, off topic, McTominay's a bit irrelevant to this one, but you get the point. Imagine if Rashford, he obviously has advisors, but had his own physios or was a bit more less naive and a bit more selfish and stuff. Because especially when it's the foreign players, we don't always see this full story. And I think Rashford needed saving from himself. And to be out for two to three months and really bit, bit an even bigger bullet now, United, is stupid really and truly, if I'm completely honest with you people. It, it don't make no sense. Um, speaking about international football for a second, I think I moved the mic. Apologies. Um, European football, apologies. Cristiano Ronaldo um, scored for the seventh successive Serie A game as his brace gave leaders Juventus the victory at home to Parma. Obviously, he opened the score in two minutes before the second half started. Sorry, before the first half ended um, with a deflected effort. Um, obviously, Parma equalised via a penalty and then Ronaldo struck after a good pass from Dybala, really, to restore the lead. Um, keeping up with Italy, Mario Balotelli was sent off seven minutes after coming on as a substitute in his team's draw against Calahigri. Um, he was shown a second yellow for dissent nine minutes from time, moments after being booked for a high challenge on another player. He now misses the game against his former club, AC Milan, due to suspension. He scored only five goals since joining in August. He has received 13 yellow cards in his career and he's only the second player in Europe's top leagues to have been dismissed dismissed, sorry, in each of the past four seasons. Monaco defender Jameson is the second player. Um, the Brescia president has said that his frontman is, is free to leave the hometown, his hometown club in January as he's not suited to the relegation fight with their club, obviously landing 18th in Syria are and being a point adrift from safety people so we'll have to see how that one develops because that one's a bit dodgy um moving away from that people we might as well preview the Premier League on a quick team we'll just talk about what's potentially to come in relation to the Premier League and if I go on, if I just type in Premier League on Google, you've obviously got Arsenal versus Chelsea. Now, we haven't travelled very well to Stamford Bridge in the longest, people. And I've heard Arteta say we have to win if we want to get top four and things like that. I think top four's gone, but shout out to Arteta for that comment, people. Um, so, yeah, we see what we can do against Chelsea. 
Um, if you want to hear my extended thoughts on Arsenal Chelsea, just obviously go on my YouTube account. But Sheffield United welcome Manchester City to their place, and you'd imagine Man City want to get back to winning ways. But games like that can throw up spanners in any capacity. Palace, who should feel bullish after a good point, apologies, people, after a good point at, away at Man City, welcome Southampton to Selhurst Park. It's a relegation dogfight because. Aston Villa are going to play Watford. Bournemouth against Brighton. Seaside derby of sorts. Um, you've got Leicester against West Ham. Leicester will be wanting to get back to winning ways. Sadly, Spurs are playing at home and that's going to ruin all the trains. They play Norwich at home. Manchester United will play Burnley at, at Old Trafford. And Wolves will welcome the current Invincibles and hopefully someone can beat them just for that moment. That simple fact. Wolves will welcome Liverpool on Thursday people so that's the premier league what else have i finally got to round up this podcast for you um you might as well go from an arsenal standpoint people um let me turn on my camera because this will make good camera footage for youtube so yeah in relation to the Arsenal stuff, people, let's look at Mikel Arteta. Apparently, Arteta will likely be given funds, so to speak, or wages to bring someone on loan. But it sounds from what we're hearing from within that it will not be able to bring in anyone permanently. This is reported by Sky Sports News. Now, for me, small hope is that how much did a how much do Sky Sports and that know beyond the whispers they're being told allegedly. Um, You'd like to think the club are making movements because a blind man could see we needed a centre-half long-term, we need a central mid. There's other positions you can you can tweak, but in the short-medium term, Arteta needs certain players of a certain standard to be able to help with. Listen, from, whenever Emre, from when we started the season and we looked a bit shaky to the period where it became clear that Emre wanted to leave, from the moment the board sat there and said Emre's going to be sacked, Scouting teams, the board and whatever, there should have been drawn up targets in, in, in the short, medium and long term. Who are we bringing in? What box-to-box midfielder? What creative midfielder? What, what centre-half are we going for? What other areas? Arteta, obviously, we never. I'm not saying Arteta was the manager or to be the manager at this point, but he's very much a head coach. Obviously, Arteta should be able to sign his own players, have a hand in players, bring in players that he specifically wanted. But by the same token, if you do your due diligence correctly, you source the sort of player that you believe can improve us properly to a proper standard and there's a real strategy to our scouting, then it shouldn't be rocket science as, as to who he plays. It's not rocket science. He wasn't here when Arte- he wasn't here when Torreira was signed. Allegedly, that's a missing tax signing. He's playing Torreira. It's, it's magical that he's playing Torreira in his in his actual role after previous managers. But do you see, it doesn't matter that he's asked for Torreira or not. There was proper due diligence done to a player that can help this squad move forward to a degree. So that needs to be done. If we can utilize the loan market, I don't mind that. But what loans realistically can you get beyond basement bargains? Um, you're looking at Jerome Boateng, which Bayern Munich have categorically, for example, said he's not involved. Like, forget that, rub that out sort of thing, people. So what loans can you get? Beyond, like, we can sit here and look at players' situations in the league and away from away from the league in Europe and say, can there be done, done things done? Unless it's a loan with an option to buy sort of thing where you're technically buying the player and pay, paying later, out-and-out out loans, I don't know what can happen. I mean, Christensen divides opinion and I'm a bit... You know, I wouldn't mind him at Arsenal if we had to bring in a centre-half, but 
you've heard Lampard, for example, reject Man City, Man, not Man City, AC Milan. Um, I'm not saying he's the man, but I'm just looking at a player's situation where he's not had much football and thinking, can we get him on loan, for example? It's players that are not necessarily inspiring for us people. So hopefully I think a move can be done. And even if it's loans, I don't mind the loan things. But if we look on our last loan loan moves, I was happy with the signing of Ceballos. But in hindsight, was there more due diligence we could have done? Because right now that's 4.5 million down the drain. Danny Ceballos, apparently Emre wanted him. He barely played him. He was barely fit for me. Even our interest was, was registered in him. That was 5 million. So you're looking at about 9 million on two 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 loans that were duds. If we have to watch pennies as much as more than other clubs, are we doing our due diligence? Because why was that signed? you get it? So I don't mind loan signings if people are going to do things correctly. Apparently, RMC are saying that Atlanta had a 30 million pound, 30 million euros, sorry, bid for the 21-year-old midfielder Yusuf Fofana, rejected by Salzburg. I really like him and Sissoko of Salzburg as well, both play in midfield. And I think they're not the finished articles, they're still raw. But considering their profiles and what they offer to teams and that they're not the finished product, so we won't necessarily face the fiercest of oppositions for him, it's, it's, uh, that's for the pair. That should be an avenue we personally go down, in my opinion, personally, people. Um Obviously, against Chelsea tomorrow, Lacazette has the opportunity to end almost going a year without an away goal in the league. It would be lovely if he could do that tomorrow. And a player like Lacazette to almost go it to have his the problems he's facing in terms of converting goals, anyways, is a concern. But um, to almost go a year without without converting is a bit from for someone like Lacazette, it's a bit mad. And if I was Lacazette with the form I've been in personally this season, people. Seeing that, if I came across it on social media, it would somewhat be a kick in the teeth, more or less, people. Um, moving away from that, we might as well quickly see if there's any more Arsenal business or Arsenal transfers. Because the last I saw is that Leon apparently put in a bid for Bruno Gomares and it was sw swiftly rejected. Now, we've been linked with a move for the Brazilian mid midfielder for a while. I've also heard Arteta kind of talking up the chances if we don't bring anyone in. I'm not going to... Hold on, people. No. they got to be running bants. No disrespect to these players, because Sheffield are a good team. But Peter O'Rourke, the journalist, has said, Arsenal have set their sights on signing Sheffield United duo John Fleck and George Bardock ahead of the summer window. An Arsenal source has told us that, uh, that Arteta has been hugely impressed by the duo's performances in the 1-1 draw on Saturday. Now, no disrespect to any of them because they both walk in our team on current form. They're not really the names we should be signing, people. Wasn't John Fleck formerly a, a, a young player people thought was going to go on to do great things? I could be wrong. If we're going to get a young anyone Scottish, it's got to be John McGinn of S Aston Villa for me, people. Um, I wouldn't mind John Fleck, really, because he's a... You know what? He's what he might lack in technical ability. We've had players at this team that are wonderfully gifted crossing balls and things like that and can do everything with a ball at their feet but in terms of being consistent and being able to rely on them over 90 minutes over a course of a season they haven't had that John Fleck is of a different mentality look at them Sheffield United players 
a lot of them not re- not a lot were billed as any f- he was but a lot of not a lot, he's faced a lot of adversity a lot of them have had to come up through the leagues the hard way i've had to be in the championship league one and and all of these things i've had to you know none of them have had a silver spoon in the footballing sense and so that's what i like about them they're very honest they're very consistent they're very hard working and they don't let they they don't want the premier league to for for them to end so they play like that and John Fleck is off that and to be honest he's faced a lot of adversity after you know being hyped up at, at the age of 16 and being 28 and not being anywhere in his whole life he's had a good career he's playing Premier League football but certain people might use that as a stick to potentially unfairly beat him with and I believe someone like him he might lack ability he might not be inspiring and I might not necessarily be behind his signing but at least someone like him would grab the chance at being at Arsenal with two hands and he actually has got some technical ability Bardock, I don't mind, as funny as it is really being linked with certain players like this beyond, I mean, Sheffield, more players walking our squad than theirs on current form. Um, But in terms of longevity, inspiration, it's not really teams to get behind. But on current form, why not? I was more thinking January if we had to get someone to do a job right now, because long term, I'm not too sure that's really one to get behind. But he might not cost the most. So who knows, people? Um... Let's go and see how old he is. He's 26. To be fair, he's all right. He's all right. And I mean, if we're not going to play Maitland now as that fullback anymore, um, he's someone that can do a job there. I mean, he's not dead. He's actually not dead. It all depends how much they cost people because I'm sure they would relish the chance to join Arsenal regardless of where we've been. But it will be a difficult decision. And I'm sure they'd want to ride the Sheffield United journey until it gets locked off because they've been all right. Um... It all depends how much they can cost. And we need people that can plug gaps in the side. Um, Flex contract expires in 2021. Bardock expires in 2022. Um, So a lot of this could just be nonsense and could just be pure paper talk people, really and truly. Um, And could just be things designed to, you know, they could want to sign deals. People are putting things out into the feelers. Um, It's a bit irrelevant, but apparently the PSG sporting director admitted that Cavani has handed in a transfer request people. Um... So he's offered, he's, he spoke about him and he spoke, also spoke about Kazawa. Um, he's saying Arsenal have never called us, we have nothing, which follows on from what Tuchel is saying. What's actually happened and what they're saying is going to happen or what has happened are obviously two different things, people. Um, Cavani's handed in a transfer request, which the relevance of that basically could be, um, could force through his move to Atletico Madrid in, in the January window rather than the summer. And that might either help us I mean, that might either help them get Lacazette, make them want Lacazette even more to partner with Cavani or make them, you know, leave Lacazette alone. And for Lacazette and his inconsistent form, he's consistently been linked with Atletico. Apparently, they're going back for him in the summer, from what reports say. Don't know if current form um, warrants that. And then they're a Champions League club, so he might want to relish that. So we'll have to see how that one develops. Personally, I think that one's going to go away, if anything. Um, it is a bit concerning for me that we haven't really signed anyone and it's the 20th of January because a blind man could see that the first week of January a couple of players needed to roll in and roll in at Arsenal very quickly but fingers crossed people really and truly um, so yeah on that note I don't think I've really got anything else to add people so I'm going to keep it kicking and getting out of here as you can see, see or hear I've turned off my uh, what's the thing called the camera I've turned it off because there's not really anything more to talk about it's been a there's not, it's a slow kind of day we might as well just look at because I'm in the mood for transfers I'll just leave you with 
going through some transfer nonsense courtesy of the BBC. I was really trying to be here for 45 minutes. We've been here for a minute. But if I look at this stuff, let's go on BBC Sports. Football. All right. Man United are still chasing Jude Bellingham. Leave the guy alone, man. Let him stay at Birmingham and develop, man. I'm really keen to see what he's going to be like, the player of tomorrow. Apparently, Bruno Fernandes has told Sporting Lisbon he's desperate to join United. That's probably been the biggest rumour you've heard in the transfer market this, this month. And it seems to be a case of when, not if. And United need to complete that. They're crying out for players. Like they got that young 16-year-old lad from Monaco. And I think he would do all right in their first team. But you're hearing that with their injuries to McTominay and Pogba, they're accelerating his development. And is that healthy? A 16-year-old expected to perform and deliver the goods instantly at Man United? Only you lot will be able to tell me that. Um, the Inter Milan rumours with Christian Eriksen still won't go away. And apparently they want him signed before their game against Caligari on the 26th of this month. So with it being the 20th, there's six days. You'd like to think there's some movement or acceleration in relation to that. It looks like Victor Moses will be joining his former manager Conte at Inter Milan as well. Um, Giroud's a target for Aston Villa and... To be honest, if they got if they get relegated, Giroud, you'd have to move in the summer again. So maybe you could go out there on loan and then sort yourself out in the summer. Who knows? Um, as I've said, Cavani has Cavani's a free agent in in the summer and he's stranded in a transfer request with six months to run on his deal. Atletico have bidded ten million allegedly for him. Apparently, Inter Milan also want Luka Modric, and that's something I've heard from the summer. Apparently, Luturo Martinez has said he's happy at Inter Milan. Um, AC Milan, AC, Milan, AC Milan, Manchester City and United allegedly have been watching him and are ready in moves. You've heard him linked with a move to Barcelona as well. You have to see how that one goes, people. I've also heard that referees will also be allowed to look at monitors in Premier League games. Now, I don't know the specifics or when it's introduced, but it's about time they look to do that because you look at us a couple of times and you're just thinking to yourself, why... Like, why can't you just allow... The rest clearly made a mistake or missed this. Why can't he just clearly go and look on the TV and judge for himself? It just hasn't been there. But regardless of if VAR fixes up or not, referees will always let the ting down. On that note, I'm going to get out of here, people. Thank you for listening to Deluded Podcast. Make sure you check out all my other stuff. Hella content on YouTube, as you know. Yeah, people, I'm out. Thanks.